Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, the space where we explore common misunderstandings of how life works, allowing us to gain new perspectives on health, wealth, relationships, and much more. Life doesn't have to be hard work. It can be a flowing collection of experiences if we learn some simple truths about how our experience is created. Through this understanding, we realize that at a fundamental level, we are all already whole and perfect. Okay, we're live. Hi, Erica. Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast. Hey, thanks, Jason. Nice to see you. And thanks for joining me in this conversation tonight. And um, subject very dear to my heart about parenting. Um, you know, I've been reflecting on this, as you know, you know, we bounced a few emails back and forward and um, got me reflecting on stuff. And, um, you know, for many years before I became a parent, you know, I was so, I was so resentful, you know, like uh, to my own, to my own mom, you know, I, I lost one parent when I was really young and, and um, my mom coped in the best way she knew how, you know, but like, I just, because I didn't understand, you know, what it is we're talking about here today. It was just looked like she'd given me a bad deal, you know, in life. And, um, you know, I used to talk about in a way, in a justified way of resentment, but I used to carry a real bitterness inside of me. And that kind of fueled that when I, when I had my own daughter, I was, um, I was, she was just born and I started training as a psychotherapist. And um, I went through my experiential psychotherapy training you know with this like idea of being the perfect parent you know of meeting all these emotional needs and all these because I was going through this one process of re-experiencing all the pain of my own childhood and loss and grief and on the other hand I had a new baby you know and it was like I was kind of trying to get this idea of what this perfect parent would look like so she didn't have any of these uh, childhood wounds that I'd had you know and it was kind of like I was really like I mean it was so stressful you know like trying to become the perfect parent and think about how you would meet every single need emotional need you know like not realizing that these were just concepts and ideas that people had made up about how and you're looking over your shoulder constantly to see like how you're doing yeah and um, wow. you know my life at that time just got worse and worse I guess like from a perspective of you know, reliving and re-experiencing all my own childhood stuff. And I don't know at what point I let go of the idea of being the perfect parent, but like over years, you know, um, you know, that quite the opposite where my daughter is, uh, and my son now, you know, teach me quite often, you know, how to be present and how to be alive and, and how to not get caught up in things and just get on with them. Like they don't really matter, you know, and it's like just such a, such a, you know, I, I, I guess if I had to sum it up in a sentence, it would be that I thought that I was had to be the perfect parent and show them the way, but they came along and showed me the way, you know, about how to be yeah. present in the moment, you know. Right, right. So I'd, I'd love to, you know, I hear from you, you know, like what's, you know, my podcast is Misunderstandings of the Mind, you know, and, and there was a lot of misunderstanding in that, you know, about about parenting. And even now, you know, I have struggles because my daughter's uh going on 11 now and it's like and at the moment it kind of feels like i'm going through this process where my my little girl is gone you know it's kind of like she didn't want to cuddle me and sit on the sofa and and play games get with me standoffish and, you know, yeah it's, it's 
bit like that. It is. It's kind of, yeah, it's a little disorienting because you don't think you'll lose that with them. Yeah, I didn't. I yeah. thought, wow, this is because it's amazing. You know, it's the best thing yeah. in the world. You know, to Absolutely. be present with with my children. It's just yeah. the most beautiful feeling. And now it's a bit like, you know, I'm calling her saying, "Can you come out of your your room watching YouTube and come and sit with me?" And she's like, "I don't want to watch telly with you." You know, it's kind of like it's boring. <laughs> I'd rather be in here with these people. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I you know it's I um what really struck me when you were talking is is that it's a funny thing when you look at your own parents or you look around at other people. I did this before I had kids. You sort of, um, you have a lot of ideas. Uh, it, it's really easy to, when you watch somebody like as a kid in your example, to see, to get into sort of a critical state mm. uh, and a state with your own ideas, even though you have very little understanding of life as a kid, you can still have, the power of free will to think, to pick your mom apart and to see all of her weaknesses. And you spend all this time with her. So there's plenty of material and what you don't realize until later in life and life has an amazing way of teaching us. This is, well, that, that was part of the story. You missed a whole other part of the story. And in that sense, your mom taught you something. Our parents, I, I went through the same thing. You, at some point you wake up, and you see, oh, this person has all these other qualities that I missed. And that's one of the things that happens to parents is that kids can be such a mess and emotionally. Like they're, they have these huge mood swings and they get these phobias and, you know, really clinical. You know, their habits are kind of at a clinical level. So when they have social anxiety, I talked to a, a woman the other day who's, uh, daughter was, was, you know, they were going around the table sharing uh, at a big kind of graduation dinner. And the daughter, by the time it got to her, she was in high school. She just, she's froze. She couldn't talk. And, and you know, everybody else at the table is probably thinking, what am I going to say when it gets to be my turn? I don't want to sound stupid. Um, but you could work yourself up into a lather really easily. Well, kids do that. Teenagers do that. They have so much emotion compared to when they level out, you know, early twenties, they start to level out in their emotions. But when, when they're young, their body's working out all the kinks. So they're getting all these chemical charges and hormones and just their chemistry and their personality is all over the place. And parents see that and it freaks them out because they, their kid looks fragile and like they're not ready for the world. And how are they going to handle anything? And that's just one side of them. There's a whole nother side of them, just like there's a whole nother side of your mom. And I want to talk about both of those because they're both uh, the part of, there's, there's sort of two parts of your kid that as a parent, it's your job. Your job is not to control those things, but to understand them. And I think a lot of parents feel like they have to manage their kids struggles and their kids crazy. They have to manage their swings and protect them. So, but, but you know, what I'll talk about first is to, to lay a foundation is the other side of kids that we don't see is their resilience. The way you didn't see 
the other good qualities in your mom. Um, I saw this great Facebook post this morning. I don't know if you saw it, but or if the listeners out there saw this, but there was, was a picture of um, World War One, and it said, you know, if you were born to put this whole pandemic and everything we're going through into perspective, um, if if you somebody who was born in in nineteen hundred at fourteen they would have uh, gone through World War One would have started, they would have been in World War One from fourteen to eighteen, and then they would have gotten uh, at twenty the Spanish flu would have happened. Um, they would have experienced that. Then uh, in their later 20s, the Great Depression, then the Nazis came into power, and then they get World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, all this stuff happening. And, and you know, the reason for this post was if you think you're going through a lot and your grandparents don't know anything, um, <laughs> you know, what people went through, um, is it's amazing what people and, and people now um, that are going through things that that I can't even begin to understand. The, you know the fear and the difficulty, famine and crime and poverty. So you know what 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 that demonstrates so well is how pe- people are so hardy, and and you don't really see that part of it. Because oftentimes your kids are, you know, they're home and they're going through emotional things, but they look like they can't handle anything. When in fact, all the 14-year-olds, there was a whole bunch of 14-year-olds and younger kids and older kids going through World War I, for example, and experiencing famine and the Spanish flu. And their parents weren't helping them with it. Their parents were dealing with it themselves or weren't around or were alcoholics or just... They weren't, they weren't helping them through it the way that we feel we need to help our kids through their struggles. And that resilience is something that it's like a, it's a spiritual law. It may not look like your kid is resilient, may not look like they will be able to handle the world, but it's, it's a, it's a constant resilience is a constant among humanity. And if you have it and I have it, and the parents out there listening have it, your kids have it, and they have it 100% from the time they're born. And that's something that for, for me, and I've been working with parents 20, 21 years now, the, the parents that I see that are able to find their faith in their, resili- in their kids' resilience and and to, to be able to remember, yeah, your kid struggles, but they also look at the, the struggles that they're handling already. Look at how they, when they come out of their upset, they're reasonable, they have common sense, they listen, they're conscientious, they share all of the qualities that you want in your kid, all of them come back as soon as the, the pendulum swings the other way. And that's, to me, the best thing that you can do as a parent. And the biggest misunderstanding of parenting is that your kid's missing something, they're broken, and you need to fix it. And the best thing you can do as a parent is to find in yourself your vision for the fact that, yeah, they have crazy, but it also clears itself up. And they have a a mature side of them. 
it might get obscured in the clouds, but it comes out just as much as it disappears. There's something about trusting that. I'll I'll speak for myself as a parent. I have a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old that my kids have been through a lot. And, And I don't, I haven't, it's funny if you watch my well-being and my, what I bring to the table as a parent, uh, it doesn't always match up with their ups and downs because oftentimes when they're struggling, I know I have to dig deep and I, two of us can't be crazy at the same time. So if they're going off the rails and saying something or doing something that I know, like that doesn't make any, what are they thinking? I have to pull it together and get, find my resilience so that I can have faith in them again. And in a sense, our well-being is separate from their well-being. When they struggle, uh, we have, we live in our own thought system that we can find calm and presence of mind and get our confidence back in our kids and get our confidence back in our parenting and in life. And we will handle them in a really different way. And in a sense, what happens in those moments, I have to look for, okay, how are they How I'm, I'm panicking and freaking out because they're being immature or unreasonable or stupid. I have to find my faith and my calm and my composure so that I can get out from under my own insecurity about them and about life. One of the things that happens for me, I'm guessing this happens to everybody. As soon as your kid is, goes through something, uh, if they're not, you know, if they, they're doing badly in school or they're getting picked on by kids or they don't share that you're not just responding to that. You're living in, well, how's this going to work out when they get older? This is going to damage them. I got, my mom said something. I failed. I did badly in school and it affected my self-esteem. And you kind of leave your kid and you go off into your own insecurity. And that's something that's going to be a, a constant. Just as much as your ability to come out of it is going to be a constant. So you're judging your mom is, is something everybody does. We have the power to think whatever we want. And if we want to go negative, we can. And then at some point, life wakes you up and pulls you out and says, wait a minute, give her a break. Parenting is actually kind of hard. Maybe I should let her off the hook and all of a sudden you see another side of her. So your, your outlook about life um, swings the way that has a pendulum swing the way that your kid's mood swings. And, and for me, one of the biggest misunderstandings for parents is that parenting has to do with your behavior and whether how, what you do and your technique and your method. One and two, parenting is about saving your kid, giving your kid the nicest life possible with the smallest amount of struggle. And that right there is a, that's, that's the misunderstanding that gets people in the most trouble is the idea that we can stop our kids from struggling, um, that they're not going to be okay if, if 
they're not doing well in life or if they um, if they're not if they don't handle friends well then they're never going to have friends like if we don't trust that life that they'll figure things out in life for themselves the way that all of us have every time they're not doing well we're going to be living in insecurity when in fact the truth of the matter is let's say you have a kid that doesn't get along well with other people they'll go out in the world and their friends their bosses their boyfriends girlfriends how many times have you and i had sort of moments of truth where life came to us and said yeah you can't do that mm. like you may have sabotaged your relationships to some point but at some point we all get woken up so in a way you don't have to take on your kids shortcomings because first of all oftentimes those shortcomings and weaknesses disappear as soon as they their mood changes and they get their stability back, which you can count on happening day to day. But also, in a way, you're, you're kind of, it's not on us because they have, we're sort of, um, we're like, uh, you're on the roster with a whole bunch of other forces that are helping your kid learn what they need to learn in life, smooth out the rough edges. So you have life experience, which will teach them. You'll have other, other people around you, employers, roommates, friends. If you go off into life and you don't share or you, get ang you have an anger problem, uh, you'll, get, you'll get into an altercation in traffic and someone will punch you in the face and you'll realize, oh, I need to control that. Something will happen. Life will Life will uh, help you learn what you need to learn. And more importantly, the, the biggest part of that roster is what, what you and I in our work call mind, which is this, this intelligence behind life, this wisdom that just comes out of the blue and taps us on the shoulder and guides us. For you, it was, hey, maybe you shouldn't be so hard on your mom. Mm. For you, it was... I'm ex I just had this, I have this baby girl and I am trying to do it perfect and I'm exhausted. I think I'm just going to not do that anymore. You just, that just came out of the blue. Mm. Your mom didn't have to help you see that. Somebody didn't have to make sure you, so you just, it just, it was a divine intervention. It just happened. So there's a way in which we're hooked up to uh, a, a guy, a guidance system like a navigation system and and your kids our kids are too so to the degree that we can trust that there's something else helping them and we're just part of the roster we don't get caught in the pressure of i have to do it all i have to fix them because they can't have struggle or difficulty or shortcomings and uh, it's all on me you you want to be able to wake up to the fact that well, you're part of the equation too in your parenting and the degree to which you've lost faith in your kid and confidence in them and in life. Um, you've lost the plot. You've gotten caught in your own insecurity. 
it's got nothing to do with your kid. But if you can't see that in yourself, you're going to be, um, what I see in a lot of parents is living in a, essentially a state of anxiety and pressure every time their low moods come out. Every time they get difficult, you start thinking, oh my God, I've raised this kid. This kid's going to go out there with my name attached to it. It's going to look really bad to me or they're not going to make it. People are going to be mean to them. They're not going to have a job. Because you have to be able to own when you've lost your resilience. Because that's a fixed part. So you'll get insecure. We all get insecure about our kids. And we all get negative and bleak in our outlook, just like you did about your mom. And at some point, you want to wake up to that and say, that's, I'm just seeing part of the story. That's, I've been walking around impaired. Let me, let me look, let me look at my kids struggle fresh. And, and in a way, that's the part that really helped me as a parent is to the degree that I started getting, would get worried about whatever new batch of problems would crop up. Kids seem to have, uh, you know, they'll have sort of ebbs and flows where they're doing fine and you're like, hey, I did great with this one. And then all of a sudden, the monster in them comes out and you get a new batch of challenges and all of a sudden they're withdrawn or they're talking back or rolling their eyes. As soon as you get into uh, a low outlook and you lose your resilience, you'll know it because you'll feel disheartened, discouraged. Your feeling about your kid will, you'll be living in a feeling of uneasiness and anxiety and pressure to change them and fix them. And uh, the clock's ticking. They're going to be 18 soon. I can't let them, I got to get this deadline. <laughs> I got to get them, uh, you know, functioning before they leave the house. You want that feeling to wake you up. You're feeling that because of your insecurity and your fear and you've lost your faith in life and in humanity and you've lost your clarity as a parent. And in a way, you're really a crappy leader in that moment. Not that it doesn't happen to all of us, but you, you want to be able to see that if you can if you can take some accountability for the feeling you're coming from as a parent enough to, to recognize at some point when you've gotten stuck in anxiety and insecurity and tension, you'll, you'll be able to come out of that state. You'll let go of that state just enough for your mind to calm down and you'll have a new outlook. And one of the things, one of the ways I know when parents have done that is ironically, um, two things happen. They either get more strict about rules than they were before. So when parents get, uh, get their, their well-being back, they get their confidence back and their clarity, oftentimes they'll realize, you know, I've been letting a problem fester that I should have handled, and here's how I'm going to handle it. So a lot of times parents don't make rules they don't um they don't intervene because they they're scared of their kids reactions they don't or they don't think they're kate they're old enough or capable enough they, they don't really talk to them 
to the reasonable side of their kid. They talk to the immature side of their kid. So they oftentimes when parents get clear, um, they actually get more strict or um, more resolve around the battles they want to pick. And oftentimes they'll lay the, they'll draw a line that they feel like they hadn't drawn because they, they were afraid of their kid's reaction. Or um, The other thing that will happen when parents get their clarity and their well-being back is exactly the opposite will happen. There will be a certain number of battles that they've picked that they'll back off of because their, their way of controlling, I, I see in parents either they won't, do anything because they're afraid to upset an already not doing well kid. So they don't require anything of them. They let them get away with whatever, or they get control freakish and try to control and influence every part of their life. And, and, and oftentimes when parents relax, they realize, all right, I, I got to pick my battles here. And a lot of this stuff I'm going to let go. I'm not winning those battles anyway. I'm just, creating conflict and it's not really protecting them. So those adjustments, whatever adjustments that we make as parents, as we tend to see we're doing one of those or the other, as we wake up, those adjustments become our, our, our direction becomes clear as our minds quiet down. But in order to do that, you have to be able to see chaos out here in your kid and find calm in here as a parent, which we can do in our own lives. We can do it with our friends. Uh, we just do very poorly when it comes to our kids. Some of us, maybe not all of us, but if that's you, then your job as a parent is to get your, your mind as settled as you, as you can and essentially forget about your kid in those moments until you, uh, until you can get your own head together. And, and you'll be able to see some of these adjustments I'm talking about. I'm sure you've already been doing it. Does this make sense so far, Jason? What, what, what thoughts you're having? Yeah. So as, as you've been talking, so, so many, so many nods and, um, you know, and thinking, yep, yep, yep. And so many things. And I, and I think like when, you know, I had a realization a long time ago that, um, Oh, my daughter's not me, you know, because I, I was like reflecting my own childhood experience because it was so tragic, you know, like, and what I went through after that tragedy, you know, like I was kind of thinking that she was me, you know, like every time something happened that was similar to what had happened to me, I was thinking that she would be feeling how I felt, you know, yeah. and it was kind of like, so that was a big realization for me oh that she's not me you know it's kind of like she's not having my experience she's not having anything like my experience you know it's kind of like she's and meanwhile completely... you're rea- you're treating her as if she yeah. is having that reaction and she's not funny yeah that's a great that's a that's a that's a great observation yeah and um what you were saying about resiliency and wisdom you know it's kind of like that you know seeing that you know that i that there's and what we were saying before the call about you, some stuff you just don't see and you don't know that you don't see it. You know, it's kind of like that in some ways, you know, I've just kind of had absolutely no worries about my daughter. You know, it's kind of like, you know, that I've just thought she's absolutely got what I've got. You know, it's kind of like that. That's just the way it works. You know, I had absolutely no doubts, 
but yet when you were speaking there were times when I, you know when I was when you were saying about the deadline and stuff you know and different things you know it was kind of like I was thinking not that I you know like genuinely think that's real but like there's been moments where I've kind of you know been caught up in that you know and just kind of thought oh god you know like what I'm gonna have to work this out or do something you know and it's kind of like so it's um it's been fun listening you know to what you were saying and and really sort of seeing how that shows up in my own life you know and, and just seeing the truth of kind of how it works that it's always my own insecurity in the moment you know based on my own thought in the moment about what it is i make up that i'm supposed to be doing as a parent you know or, or how much responsibility is on me when it's none you know and and like that i need to install something that's not already there when really it's already there you know it's kind of like so there's there's a lot of um what's the word you know there's a lot of reassurance and peace in in listening you know that like oh everything's just perfect as it is you know and it's right. kind of, there's nothing for me to do and that you know apart from just notice you know when i get caught up in my own thinking about how it's supposed to be versus just how it is and, and i did have a question you know and what question came to me was like that and i, and I, I am asking it because i'm sure it's on other people's minds too and it's definitely a discussion that i've had with people before is like that when you've got kind of i don't know the right word for it but i'm just going to say standards or rules or something you know it's kind of like i'm not sure of the correct term but like of ways things you want your child to do you know it's kind of like things that you want them to do and they don't want to do them you know and it's kind of like so like where do you where does that you know how does that work really I guess is what I'm saying because it kind of looks like yeah I could really like just let go and let my daughter go and watch YouTube 12 hours a day in a bedroom you know it's kind of like I never go out and walks or do things or or show up for food and just eat when she wants you know it's kind of that just doesn't seem like a great style of parenting to me you know right 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 well i you know i i had a um had a parent ask me that very similar question um he said you know my my kids all, all they want to do is be on electronics and they're not particularly social uh and i feel like i want you know, I only see them half time. And when they're home, I really want to have contact with them. Mm. But I don't want them to resent me. Uh, and I don't want them to just sit there and cross their arms and be <laughs> out of their room for 10 minutes, you know, because then they're, you know, I haven't really done anything for them. Uh, they've kind of won and they're sort of sticking it to me and they, and they know it and I know it. And, uh, and so, you know, so I said, well, um, you know, his, his kids were like, I don't know. I think they were maybe six and 10 mm. time. And, and, um, I said, well, you know, um, as an exploratory conversation, uh, as a first step, why don't you ask them, uh, what they think about it? Why don't you tell them the dilemma you're in? And, ask them what they think. And I'm not saying this is a democracy, but, you know, ask them, do you think I should expect you to hang out with me some, some of the time that you're home, that you're here? And they said, well, mom doesn't make us do that. Because we did. He went and asked them, you know, do you think, and, and 
And they said, uh, the older one said, mom doesn't make us do that. And, oh, so you're going to take away our electronics when we come here? Well, then we're not coming here. And she just went off. She just, and he said, no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying any of, I don't know what I'm, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I, I'm just wondering what you, if you guys think, uh, you know, I'm asking myself, I don't know. I've never been a dad before. Uh, I've never gotten a divorce before and I've never shared custody with my kids before. So I'm, this is all new to me. And, and the, the, you know, he said, you know, he's never really talked that honestly with his kids before. He'd never really been that honest and transparent and sort of open with them and laid his cards on the table. And it was really sweet. Both of them contributed. And the older one says, well, yes, sometimes, but I'm not, you can't take it away when I go to sleep. He said, no, I, I don't, I'm just wondering what you think is reasonable. Like if you had kids, he and I kind of talked this through ahead of time. He said, like, if you had kids, what would you do? Would you let them just, and it was really sweet. They had this really sweet conversation and both kids said, and, and, and there was an older kid that's just his kid. He had the same conversation with, it was, I think he was 17. Um, and what came out of all of both of those conversations is they all felt like, yeah, there's some period of time that we feel like we should have to come hang out with you. And they figured out, okay, meals, as long as they don't last more than 20 minutes. Cause he said, well, what about like for, you know, for dinner? And they said, well, I don't want to sit at dinner for an hour, you know? And if we go to restaurants, sometimes well, they decided, all right, well, what about 20 minutes? Well, they all thought 20 minutes is reasonable. Hmm. And then they all decided, well, if they go someplace together while they're on the subway, uh, they can be on their devices. But then when they get there, they have to be off of them. So they kind of came up and then vacations, they had sort of a whole set of scenarios. And what was interesting is that he had to throw all his rules out. One of his big problems was when I was a kid, I, nobody asked me what I wanted to do. I was just given rules. So he was trying to just give rules. Nobody listened to him. So he gave up. And that's, that's, that's what parents typically do. They go based on their reactions and what they've already thought about and their current value system. And they just, parents kind of have, or they, they get really disgusted. I shouldn't be asking my kids to hang out with me. They should want to hang out with me. So then they have their feelings hurt and then they're stuck in that state. Or they feel like, well, um, my kids are just going to, this is what this guy said, they're just going to say, no, we shouldn't have to hang out with you at all. Because really what they want to do is watch YouTube 24-7 and play Minecraft. So I said, well, so are you not going to have the conversation with them? And he said, well, I'll have it, but I know what they're going to say. So I had to say, no, I, you know, what, what, what you want to be doing as a parent as best you can is show up to the moment that's actually happening with the facts that you're actually dealing with. So whatever thinking you have, like, oh, this is my daughter. I know what she's, my daughter's just like me. I know what she's going to say. Forget about that. Forget about everything that you think you know about your kid and about life and about parenting and anything you've thought before and show up to that particular moment. And what that brings is 
the dad went into that conversation open and had the conversation. Then he walked away from it thinking, well, I'm going to require them no devices at church. That was, they didn't agree with that. But he did it anyway. He said, look, I don't, it's one day a week. Uh, I don't care if all the other kids are doing it. So they went along with the plan they came up with collectively, but then he decided I'm doing it at church and I don't care if they like me or not. That was one of the fears he had going into it where they're going to shut me out of their lives because they know they can. And one of the things he realized when he got out of his fear is I'm going to do what I think is right by them and by their relationship to God and by my relation, my, my guidance to them, even if they don't understand it. And if they, if they hate me as a person, I'll feel like I did my job and that's the price that I paid. And it was really interesting because once he, once he got out of his fears and got more into a creative process and uh, he found there was a lot of things that he did differently as a parent because he'd been hanging on to this idea that I can't upset my kids or they'll shut me out. And Realizing that that was on his mind going into conversations was one of the big, to me, was, was the insight for him that mattered most. Is that he saw the difference between going into it fresh, thinking, well, I don't know, maybe we'll come up with, let me, let me look at my, talk to my kids as if, talk to the reasonable side of them that I've seen before. That was the version of his kids that he was talking to. And in that version of them, which required him to kind of get out of his bad attitude about them and electronics and the ex-wife. And he had to kind of get uh, some, some inspiration and some openness going into the conversation. And that, and that's how, you know, you found it is when you, you're talking to the side of your kid that you know is what they're capable of on the ups when there's, when the pendulum swings toward the resilience mature side of them is you want to be you want to be parenting with a vision for your the resilient side of your kid not the not the reactive immature self-involved kid so you have to be willing to accept both of them in order to set the immature self-involved kid aside and talk to the mature one that's the one that that's the one that you want to be having your conversations with and drawing out. Does that, that make sense? Yeah. It looks so, um, <clears throat> it's quite simple when you explain it, you know, and it's like that. You just, I, I've just seen, you know, as, as you were talking, you know, how much thinking I have about stuff that I thought I had no thinking about, you know, it's kind of like, and, and, how, and, and, and how it always <clears throat> comes back to showing up, being present in the moment and not listening to the noise in my head and just sort of feeling my way through, you know, like to, to responding to what's, you know, what feels right in the moment versus like having a head full of ideas about how it should be or how it needs right. to be or how it has to be. And, and right. all, those, all those rules that are, I guess, not subconsciously, but even somewhat blindly playing out, you know, in, in my, in my communications, you know, and, and the way that I'm trying to get the things that I think I need, you know? Yeah. It's interesting what you said about 
that you you kind of how subtle how sneaky our mind is is it can it can kind of project ideas that you had or sides of you onto your kid and figure oh they've already got that damage mm. <laughs> they but we don't even see that happening i see a lot of parents feel that way about their kids if they had a thing about uh food for example i see this in a lot of moms in particular yeah. then they want to make sure their kids don't have any sensitivity around food so they kind of put all these measures in place uh to make sure that there's no weirdness around food mm. so that their kid doesn't have a weird relationship with food or an eating disorder and it's funny because when i talk to them i say well what you know where how does that make sense? Like, are you seeing something in your kid that you're responding to? Well, no, I just, they're sort of reacting to their childhood and then importing those reactions into their current parenting in an effort to not create issues, which as you can imagine, I, I think all of us do that. Um, it doesn't, doesn't help. If anything, it just creates an issue out of something it wouldn't have otherwise had any energy or any issue, but isn't it funny? You can't even see yourself doing it until you know what it's like to not do it. That's what I, I loved about your story about your mom. When you take the difference between how you feel about your mom now or right after you kind of had your shift inside yourself and compare it to the one you felt before, well, we know, we can tell there's a difference in the way we're feeling. Mm. That's the feeling this, that, the way you feel about your mom now, that's the feeling what you want when you're looking at your kids. And if you don't have it, you want to go back and say, no, I, I got to, I, I at least know that you're some degree impaired. If you don't feel free, like I remember I had, um, had somebody come visit me when my son was, I think, oh, I think he was like three and a half. And she was my first boss, uh, my first job when I was in college and I was, she was passing through and she comes in and I was all excited, you know, here I've got a life and a job and a career and a kid and it's all excited for me, my kid. Well, she walks in and when I went to get the door, my son manages to get up on the table, our dining room table. He's on our dining room table in his shoes, standing on our dining room table. And I'm, I'm kind of disorienting because he, he's throwing things. He just got all excited because I've been talking about, you know, Mary, you're going to meet Mary. And he'd seen pictures of her. Well, it was so funny because she was kind of laughing, but she said, you know, air, she calls me air. She goes, air, you know, you don't want to have, um, you don't want to let your puppy do things that they can't get away with as a dog. So something like that, something the gist of, well, don't let your puppy jump up on you. If you know, as a dog, he can't be doing that. Even though they're little and it doesn't matter, you generally want them, essentially what she was saying is you kind of want to let them, because I said, oh, I don't care. It's an old table. And she said, well, no, but the principle of it is that you kind of want to teach them about the laws of life. And my idea as a parent was, I'm going to just 
uh, unless there's a good reason why they can't do something, I'm going to let them do it. Because frankly, it's easier for me to not intervene. And it was so interesting. It shifted my mentality because I realized, oh, I'm in the role. You know, dogs grow up so fast that, you know, if I don't catch this now in 10 minutes, it's going to be a problem. Well, kids, it doesn't happen that fast. So it's easy to sort of have the mentality of letting things go. And I was bringing that into my parenting of let things go unless it's a problem. And I realized, well, but then I can't take him to restaurants because he's doing things at home that you can't do in restaurants. I didn't really appreciate it. Once I started realizing, oh, I, I should be grooming him. And there's certain things I can't get out of them. Like when they, they get, just get overdone in a restaurant, there's no amount of parenting that's going to make them quiet. Mm. But certainly I can, I can be thinking through that lens of, does this make sense that he's on the table? You know, it's not a problem now, but it's, I could kind of, I, I, I was able to look at things fresh. Even, even though my biases didn't have a charge, maybe like yours did. People all get scared about their kids. I had my own version of that. And on top of that, I was complicating things. So it's interesting. You, you don't, there's something that happens. There's moments where we show up to something that we're doing with a fresh set of eyes. And I'm saying, the, the, you know, the more you can realize when you're under the spell of your own fears or ideas or uh, it, it keeps you from having a fresh set of eyes and doing things that seem obvious to you. And you know it because you'll feel kind of serious or you'll have a feeling about your kid the way you did about your mom when you were younger mm. compared to the feeling you have about her now. So that's kind of the gold standard that I think people can miss about their kids because they live in it so regularly or you have your philosophy and you just use it. It just feels right. So if you have a feeling of being a way of being permissive, erring on the side of being permissive, you don't notice it. You have the air on the side of being strict. You don't notice it. You get used to it. You don't really want to have, you want to be looking at, does your philosophy make sense regularly? Just like if you're a business, the business landscape changes. You want to be looking at, does our business model still make sense? Does our product still make sense? Do these vendors still make sense? So it's kind of like anything else we do. I think parent, people, parents can get stuck in their mentality and they don't even realize it. Mm. Probably only got a few minutes left, but one of the things that you said just before really struck me because um, I work in the addictions field and I, I speak to parents <coughs> also about you know worried around addictions and eating disorders and OCD and different things you know at times and it's like you know what you were saying it was was that you know how we create the idea of something that's not already there and then it becomes a thing you know it's kind of like and and, and I've noticed that a lot with people that they they've got heard in you know the world of psychological diagnosis you know and it's kind of like and they think these things like ocd and eating disorders and so on are real things to be mindful of you know and it's kind of like and they got so caught up in the information that they can find on the internet you know it's kind of like and, and panic from there you know it's kind of like 
I've noticed it, you know, because I had a thing with eating when I was young, you know, my own daughter, just my, you know, real sort of ne never making a thing out of it, just never saying anything because I realized that, you know, I could quite easily install that that's a thing, you know, that that's a real thing, but just having, saying nothing about it, you know, and it's kind of, it's so counterintuitive and so opposite of how people are conditioned to think, you know, about how, about the, doing the right thing, you know, when they see their child struggling, that it's, um, you know, it's, I always find that quite an interesting conversation, you know, how that's, how that's created, you know, I mean, it was certainly created for me, there was so much emphasis on my eating as a kid, you know, so much off being offered money to diet, you know, going through all sorts of different things, you know, but I can see how it turned into what it, you know, the chaos that it did, you know, so I'm really sort of mindful of never, you know, just saying nothing you know just like knowing that it will work out by itself you know versus me making it into a thing you know you know i think too i you know i loved i was excited to talk to have a conversation with you because i i love you're the perfect example of somebody who had things go you had your struggles and you ended up with an addiction mm. and and then you come out the other side and you're you're helping people in like, the most essential way. Like you're, you're helping people in a way that can provide uh, peace of mind and relief in any kind of problem in the biggest way possible in my mind. Of course I'm biased cause I do this work, but, 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 and, and that you've found that what happened for you somehow was had a hand in leading you here to find peace of mind that I don't know, had you not had an addiction, maybe you wouldn't have found this. Yeah. That, that I think as, as a parent, you have, we have so many moments where we think, you know, if I don't handle parenting right, they could end up, you know, a drug addict. And then <laughs> I'm, I find as I go through life, I meet all these drug addicts that mm. have come out the other side and are, that that ended up being part of their path. It was not a problem. Not only wasn't it a problem, but it, it opened a door for them that I don't know they would have it brought a quality of life that was better than what they would have had before potentially. Mm. And at, at, that I, I think if parents could get out from under the fear, we just make up the story that, well, if they became, if, if I don't do a good job and they become a drug addict, that's it. And even that I realized, well, I made that up. Because one of my, I don't know if you, do you know Paul Locke? I know, yeah, I know he is, yeah. Yeah, one of our colleagues. He was just one of my favorite people. And and he he came out of, he he, he was an alcoholic for a long time. And and it, it took over many years of his life. Mm. And I have other friends that, they were drug dealing and they were in jail or they were on heroin and they came out of it. Several of my colleagues that I think, Oh, that's, so that was their story. Like, how is that any different than anybody else's story? And it, it kind of took all the wind out of my sails and my, in terms of my fear about worst case scenarios. So I realized, well, wherever they end up, even if it's because of my horrible parenting moments, uh, they still, come out the other side. So what's the big deal? I and mean, in a way it makes me feel like, well, you know how teachers, you have like, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember there's a few 
teachers and that would kind of come in and leave their mark on you in a good way. Mm. They would sort of like I had one in particular that was in my school for three years and he was just, he was nice to me. He liked me. He seemed to see that I was kind of obnoxious, but he liked me anyway. And I felt like, well, he can see something else in me than other people see and than what I can see. And it left an impression on me. And I feel like teachers have this, I, the mentality of teachers, especially in a public school, like some of the public schools I went to are really rough. They didn't feel the burden of, I got to save this kid. They just, they just were kind in the moments that they had the opportunity. They'd joke around, they'd listen. They just take whatever opportunities they saw, but knowing I have them for this short period of time and I'm part of a long roster for this kid. And we had that mentality about our kids. We have them for this short period of time. Mm. We do what we can in the moments that we have with them. And that what a different mentality that would be. Take the, I'm responsible for making sure they're not a drug addict. Or making sure they're not homeless or making sure they're not a serial killer. That, that mentality, first of all, doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense. doesn't really work like that. And second of all, the truth is you just, you have some influence over them, but I'm guessing that if your mom got really intense and tried to stop you from getting involved in drugs, you probably would have done it anyway. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately gonna have to run out of time yeah to the end but like yeah i could carry on talking for ages you know it's such a it's such a, um, a great subject you know with so much so much change and so much seeing differently you know from, from in my own life you know and being in the position i'm in now like you said you know like of working with people and being a parent you know versus living that experience you know like as a as a Bit, quite bitter child about the way I saw it then, you know, to, to now sort of being really free of it, you know. So um, thank you very much. You know, I really appreciate the conversation. You know, it's been um, it's good and I'm sure I'll be reflecting on it for a while. Yeah, thank you for your, your stories. I loved your contribution. This was great doing this. And um, thanks for inviting me and the, and the best of luck to you. Awesome.